Long History, Jack Cartier, Journey 2.4, to Montreal and Ocelaga. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Long History. We're on to the 8th episode now of a 15-part series containing Jacques Cartier's three journeys. And these all involved exploring the Atlantic coastline of Canada and then heading up the St. Lawrence River, all of which would lead to the creation of French Canada. Don't forget to follow or subscribe to Long History in order to be informed of when the remaining episodes of this series are released. And don't forget also that if you haven't listened to episodes 1 to 7, they'll be available on your podcast provider. Now we're on to the second of Jacques Cartier's journeys, and this is the one where he explores the St. Lawrence River in quite a lot of depth. In the previous episode, he was in a place called Stadacona, in the area of today's Quebec City, and the local people there really didn't seem to want Jacques Cartier to head further up the river, but he insisted, and in this episode he heads towards a place called Ochelaga, which is in the area of today's Montreal. Now these are some of the earliest written descriptions of this area, certainly by Europeans, and it also includes some of the earliest uses of the word Canada, but in those days it seems to have been a lot smaller area around the area of Quebec City. So here we go with Jacques Cartier Journey 2 Part 4 to Montreal and Hochelaga. How our captain, with all his gentlemen and 50 mariners, departed with our pinnace and the two boats from Canada to go to Ochelaga, and also there is described what was seen by the way upon the said river. Chapter 5 The next day, being the 19th of September, we hoist sail, and with our pinnace and two boats departed to go up the river with the flood, where on both shores of it we began to see as goodly a country as possibly can with eye be seen all replenished with very goodly trees and grapes, vines laden as full of grapes as could be, all along the river, which rather seemed to have been planted by man's hand than otherwise. True it is, that because they are not dressed and wrought as they should be, their bunches of grapes are not so great nor sweet as ours. Also, we saw all along the river many houses inhabited of fishers, which take all kinds of fishes, and they came with as great familiarity and kindness unto us as if we had been their countrymen, and brought us great store of fish, with other such things as they had, which we exchanged with them for other wares, who, lifting up their hands toward heaven, gave many signs of joy. We stayed a place called Ochelai, about five and twenty leagues from Canada, where the river waxeth very narrow, and runneth very swift, wherefore it is very dangerous, not only for that, but also for certain great stones that are therein. Many boats and bogs came unto us, in one of which came one of the chief lords of the country, making a long discourse, who being come near us, did by evident signs and gestures show us that the higher the river went, the more dangerous it was and bade us take heed of ourselves. The said Lord presented and gave unto our captain two of his own children, of which our captain took one, being a wench seven or eight years old. The man-child he gave him again, because it was too young, for it was but two or three years old. Our captain, as friendly and as courteously as he could, did entertain and receive the said Lord and his company, giving them certain small trifles, 
and so they departed toward the shore again. Afterwards the said Lord and his wife came unto Canada to visit his daughter, bringing unto our captain certain small presents. From the 19th until the 8th and 20th of September, we sailed up along the said river, never losing one hour of time, all which time we saw as goodly and pleasant a country as possibly can be wished for, full, as we have said before, of all sorts of goodly trees, that is to say, oaks, elms, walnut trees, cedars, firs, ashes, box, willows, and great store of vines, all as full of grapes as could be, so that if any of our fellows went on shore they came home laden with them. There are likewise many cranes, swans, geese, ducks, pheasants, partridges, thrushes, blackbirds, turtles, finches, redbreasts, nightingales, sparrows of diverse kinds, with many other sorts of birds, even as in France, and great plenty and store. Upon the 28th of September, we came to a great wide lake in the middle of the river, five or six leagues broad and twelve long. All that day we went against the tide, having but two fathom water, still keeping the said scantling. Being come to one of the heads of the lake, we could espy no passage or going out. Nay, rather it seemed to have been closed and shut up round about and there was but a fathom and an half of water, little more or less. And therefore we were constrained to cast anchor, and to stay with our pinnace, and went with our two boats to seek some going out, and in one place we found four or five branches, which out of the river come into the lake, and they came from Ochelaga. But in the said branches because of the great fierceness and swiftness wherewith they break out, and the course of the water, they make certain bars and shoals, and at that time there was but a fathom water. Those shoals being passed, we found four or five fathom, and as far as we could perceive by the flood, it was that time of the year that the waters are lowest, for at other times they flow higher by three fathoms. All these four or five branches do compass about five or six islands very pleasant, which make the head of the lake. About fifteen leagues beyond, they do all come into one. That day we landed in one of the said islands, and met with five men that were hunting of wild beasts, who as freely and familiarly came to our boats without any fear, as if we had ever been brought up together. Our boats being somewhat near the shore, one of them took our captain in his arms, and carried him on shore as lightly and as easily as if he had been a child of five years old, so strong and sturdy was this fellow. We found that they had a great heap of wild rats that live in the water, as big as a conny, and very good to eat, which they gave unto our captain, who for a recompense gave them knives and glass and beads. We asked them with signs if that was the way to Ochelaga. They answered, Yea, and that we had yet three days sailing thither. How our captain caused our boats to be mended and dressed to go to Ochelaga, and because the way was somewhat difficult and hard, we left our pinnace behind. 
and how we came thither, and what entertainment we had of the people. Chapter 6 The next day our captain, seeing that for that time it was not possible for our pinnace to go on any further, he caused our boats to be made ready, and as much munition and victuals to be put in them as they could well bear. He departed with them, accompanied with many gentlemen, that is to say, Claudius of Pont-Briand, cupbearer to the Lord Dolphin of France, Charles of Pomeray, John Guyon, John Powlett, with twenty and eight mariners, and Mace Yellowbear, and William Britton, who had the charge under the captain of the other two ships to go up as far as they could into that river. We sailed with good and prosperous weather until the 2nd of October, on which day we came to the town of Ochelaga, distant from the place where we had left our pinnace, five and forty leagues. In which place of Ochelaga, and all the way we went, we met with many of those countrymen, who brought us fish and other such victuals as they had, still dancing and greatly rejoicing at our coming. Our captain to lure them in and to keep them our friends, to recompense them, gave them knives, beads and such small trifles wherewith they were greatly satisfied. So soon as we were come near Ochelaga, there came to meet us above a thousand persons, men, women and children, who afterward did as friendly and merrily entertain and receive us as any father would do his child which he had not of long time seen, the men dancing on one side, the women on another, and likewise the children on another. After that they brought us great store of fish, and of their bread made of millet, casting them into our boat so thick that you would have thought it to fall from heaven, which, when our captain saw, he with many of his company went on shore. So soon as ever we were aland, they came clustering about us, making very much of us, bringing their young children in their arms, only to have our captain and his company to touch them, making signs and shows of great mirth and gladness that lasted more than half an hour. Our captain, seeing their loving kindness and entertainment of us, caused all the women orderly to be set in array and gave them beads made of tin and other such small trifles. And to some of the men he gave knives, then he returned to the boats to supper and so passed that night, all which while all those people stood on the shore as near our boats as they might, making great fires and dancing very merrily, still crying, Aguiaze, which in their tongue signifieth mirth and safety. How our captain, with five gentlemen and twenty armed men, all well in order, went to see the town of Ochilaga, and the situation of it, Chapter 7 Our captain the next day, very early in the morning, having very gorgeously attired himself, caused all his company to be set in order to go to see the town and habitation of those people, and a certain mountain that is somewhat near the city, with whom went also five gentlemen and twenty mariners, leaving the rest to keep and look to our boats. We took with us three men of Ochelaga to bring us to the place. All along as we went, we found the way as well beaten and frequented as can be, 
the fairest and best country that possibly can be seen, full of as goodly great oaks as are in any wood in France, under which the ground was all covered over with fair acorns. After we had gone about four or five miles, we met, by the way, one of the chiefest lords of the city, accompanied with many more, who so soon as he saw us, beckoned and made signs upon us, that we must rest us in that place where they had made a great fire, and so we did. After that we had rested ourselves there a while, the said lord began to make a long discourse. Even, as we have said above, they are accustomed to do in sign of mirth and friendship, showing our captain and all his company a joyful countenance and goodwill, who gave him two hatchets, a pair of knives and a cross, which he made him to kiss and then put it about his neck, for which he gave our captain hearty thanks. This done we went along, and about a mile and a half further we began to find goodly and large fields, full of such corn as the country yieldeth. It is even as the millet of Brazil, as great and somewhat bigger than small peas on, wherewith they live even as we do with ours. In the midst of those fields is the city of Ochelaga, placed near, and as it were joined to a great mountain that is tilled round about, very fertile, on the top of which you may see very far. We named it Mount Rai. The city of Ochelaga is round, compassed about with timber, with three course of rampires, one within another framed like a sharp spire, but laid across above. The middlemost of them is made and built as a direct line, but perpendicular. The rampires are framed and fashioned with pieces of timber, laid along on the ground, very well and cunningly joined together after their fashion. This enclosure is in height about two rods. It hath but one gate or entry thereat, which is shut with piles, stakes and bars. Over it, and also in many places of the wall, there be places to run along, and ladders to get up, all full of stones, for the defence of it. There are in the town about fifty houses, about fifty paces long, and twelve or fifteen broad, built all of wood, covered over with the bark of the wood as broad as any board, very finely and cunning joined together. Within the said houses there are many rooms, lodgings and chambers, in the middest of every one there is a great court, in the middle whereof they make their fire. They live in common together. Then do the husbands, wives and children, each one, retire themselves to their chambers. They have also on the top of their houses certain garrets, wherein they keep their corn to make their bread withal. They call it caraconi, which they make as hereafter shall follow. They have certain pieces of wood made hollow like those whereon we beat our hemp, and with certain beetles of wood they beat their corn to powder, then they make paste of it. And of the paste, cakes or wreaths, then they lay them on a broad and hot stone, and then cover it with hot stones, and so they bake their bread instead of ovens. They make also sundry sorts of pottage with the said corn, and also of peas and of beans, whereof they have great store, 
as also with other fruits as musk millions and very great cowcumbers. They have also in their houses certain vessels as big as any butt or ton, wherein they preserve and keep their fish, causing the same in summer to be dried in the sun, and live therewith in winter, whereof they make great provision, as we by experience have seen. All their viands and meats are without any taste or savour of salt at all. They sleep upon barks of trees, laid all along upon the ground, being overspread with the skins of certain wild beasts, wherewith they also clothe and cover themselves. The thing most precious that they have in all the world they call asunyi. It is as white as any snow. They take it in the said river of Cornibots, in the manner following. When anyone hath deserved death, or that they take any of their enemies in wars, first they kill him. Then, with certain knives, they give great slashes and strokes upon their buttocks, flanks, thighs and shoulders. Then they cast the same body so mangled down to the bottom of the river, in a place where the Sedesurni is, and there leave it ten or twelve hours. Then they take it up again, and in the cuts find the Sedesurni, or Cornibots. Of them they make beads and wear them about their necks, even as we do chains of gold and silver, accounting it the preciousest thing in the world. They have this virtue and property in them. They will stop or staunch bleeding at the nose, for we have proved it. These people are given to no other exercise, only to husbandry and fishing for their sustenance. They have no care of any other wealth or commodity in this world, for they have no knowledge of it and that is because they never travel and go out of their country as those of Canada and Sogane do, albeit the Canadians with eight or nine villages more amongst the river be subjects unto them. So as we reach the end of this episode, Cartier and his men seem to have reached a, an area called Ochilaga, but they haven't actually reached the town of Ochilaga itself. That will happen as soon as the next episode begins. So if you have reached this point in the episode, we hope you've liked it and if you have please do give it a like and promote it in any way you can. As always that would be much appreciated. Thank you for listening everyone. This was Jacques Cartier, Journey 2 Part 4, to Montreal and Ochilaga. Goodbye.